0: Welcome to Snacks, a podcast that serves up tasty insights for your surgical practice. Join Al Norweb and Justin Rockman of Surgermate as they deliver bite-sized episodes that feature actionable insights and real-world examples to help you conquer the challenges of surgical scheduling and unlock your practice's full potential. Let's dig in. Hello and welcome back to this special two-part episode of Surgeon Snacks. My name is Al Norweb. I'm the Chief Growth Officer of Mate. Uh, if you like to geek out about the business of surgical practices, then you've come to the right place. Here at Surgeon Snacks, we try to tee up short, digestible, ten-minute segments that hopefully have some insights that are useful for your practice. So, tune in. Um, and listen up. For today, I am joined uh, by my uh, by my guest here, Evan Steele, for a two part series. We're going to continue our discussion around uh, patient reviews and how to manage that for your practice. Uh, so, Evan, for those that didn't have a chance to listen to part one of this, uh, can you give
1: us a quick reintro about yourself uh, and what RateRate does? Sure. RateRate is a um Uh, Healthcare reputation management company, and we also have a very nice practice improvement, patient satisfaction, patient experience module um, that forms the core of our software. Uh, I was a practice administrator for nine years, uh, got into the software business, started a company called uh, SRS Health which I ran for 15 years and then sold it in 2012. And then I've been involved with RateRate as the founder and CEO since 2015.
0: Excellent. Thank you for for um, for that. And, and again, so excited to have you on. I know you have a wealth of knowledge in this space and, you know, patient experience and satisfaction is your bread and butter. So I know you have a lot to share with our audience. Um, so if you joined last time, you know that we read a couple of uh, real reviews as a way to kind of tee up our conversation. So we're going to continue that today. I'll start with one here, Evan. Um, quote, I would give zero stars if I could. Doctor saw me for five minutes. No tests, no exams, zero attentiveness. I was billed $3,000. Um, this sounds like another classic case of miscommunication. Uh, which is something we discussed about uh, in the last episode, how to manage that and the, the cost of that. Um, when you when you are working with your practices, what steps do you think they can take to remedy a negative review like this?
1: Um, so I'm assuming this is a a Google review or you know on one of the online review sites, right? Um, so Google's hard to affect any change. Google is um, it's kind of like dealing with city hall. They do have certain criteria where you could, you know, if there's slander or, uh, uh, you know, the, the terrible language, horrible language, you could have a, a review removed. Otherwise, it's very difficult. One strategy is to uh, go onto the Google review itself and report it and have as many people as you know, report it. So sometimes that'll elevate it uh, in, in Google's algorithms or, you know, bring it to somebody's attention. Mm. Um, The other way is, uh, you know, do better by the patient next time. So the next time, if that patient comes back, that patient sounds very upset. But if you ask them, send a review request to them the next time, it'll go right to that same review where they could edit and change that review. Um, So those are the only strategies to physically change the review or, or delete it. But the best policy is just don't let that happen in the first place. And like we talked about in the first podcast, uh, part one is, you know, identify your areas where you're having these issues and implement processes and procedures so that it just doesn't happen again. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm just curious uh, because I've seen this, you know, in in lots of social media and and consumer product areas, uh, you know, where you have somebody directly engaged with a negative reviewer. Uh, do you find that that works in the practice setting? Do you, are there systems for doing that that are helpful?
1: Uh, yeah, you know, th- there's a fine line here with HIPAA compliance. So, mm. you know, when you reply to a Google review, a lot of practices use first name, like "Hey Al, sorry this happened." That, that's that's a little dicey. Uh, we, we've yeah. spoken with our legal counsel twenty times about this. We recommend not to, but certainly not "Al Norweb, please call us" or something like that. Okay. That's not. That's not smart. That, that's not HIPAA compliant. It really isn't. But the, be, the best thing to do is just simply say to the patient, I'm really sorry you had this issue. Yeah. Here's my number. I'm, I'm the practice administrator. Here's, the, here's my direct line. Call me. Um, and it's a numbers game. So you're hoping that, you know, one and two or one and three will call you and you could enter into that service recovery. And who knows, maybe the patient will feel better and they'll go and revise their review and fix it. Um, So just remember to maintain HIPAA compliance, just be very general, just say, call me anytime, sorry about that experience, Um, and then hope for the best, hope that they'll change that review.
0: I think that's that's a really, uh, well, it's great guidance around the compliance piece, Um, but I also, I think the, you know, having a protocol in place to actually directly interact with a patient, uh, to give them a pathway to reach back out. A lot of times, it's just the, the sense of frustration they have with feeling like they didn't Get their their uh, needs met, but seeing that somebody cares on the other end can make a huge difference in their experience. Um, and so that's that seems
1: like a really practical and, approach. And that's and that's just Google, right? So, but if you do internal surveys, like our surveys have a twenty six percent response rate. So if you send out one hundred thousand of them a year, you get twenty six thousand uh, responses. To the so then we have low rating alerts that'll go out uh, if we detect the patient's unhappy, we'll send out an alert to a, a practice administrator whoever the de- a marketing person an office manager whoever the designated person is and then you know we hear stories uh, this is this guy uh from midlands orthopedics ron horchefsky he told us a story once he got a low, pa- uh, patient checked out got the survey on their phone they're they're in the parking lot they they complain they get in their car they click they click submit all of a sudden like a minute or two later, Ron gives them a call and says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa sorry, what happened?" And within, you know, three minutes, the you know he's to the doctor and got back to the patient. Everything was resolved, whatever the issue was. Yeah. Um, and that patient was so upset. And now that patient is home. They're not going to put a one-star review up online. They, 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 everything's been taken care of. The patient is now a happy patient. They they they, they turned them around. So doing surveys and in high volume and responding and calling patients who are upset, I think is a very important component. Um, it's kind of in nipping these issues in the bud. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, i tease up another uh, nasty gram review. Uh, I'll read this one up. Actually, this is related. When we talked in the last session, some of the common sources of, of bad reviews are, we mentioned wait time in the weight room, you mentioned bedside manner, and we talked about communication breakdowns. Um, so here's one on bed, uh, Bedside manner Quote, my doctor lacks empathy and compassion. These are essential in the mm-hmm. healthcare field. I suggest you get another job if you're miserable. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because speaking about the job here, uh, we, you know, we all talk a lot about patient satisfaction because it is, of course, all about making the, the patient's experience good. But um, another really important piece of this that we see a lot when we're working with practices, is, uh, these reviews actually affect morale at the office, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know this well, you are a practice administrator. We work in a passion industry, right? Like, like people care about what they do. They, they're they in health therapy because they want to impact people. Uh, and the job is not easy day to day. And so... Uh, when you pour everything out and then, you know, wh- wherever you are in the office, the front desk, you're doing financials and billing, of course, the doctors, the MAs, everybody, when you see something like this, it hurts, right? So, you know, another way to look at this is improving these reviews and improving the experiences is also really important for managing office morale. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, you know, it runs both ways. So we we have, I hear it all the time. We have clients they take their you know, a lot of times patients, when, when you ask them to rate their check-in experience or just rate the check-in person by name, patients will, especially if the, the front desk staff and checkout folks wear a name tag. So Bob or Nancy is, is, it gives a great, great check-in experience so that the, the patient will put on the survey, Nancy was great, or, Bob's the best. And they, they actually, they flag them and, and the office administrator puts them on the lunchroom wall. It's great. for everyone to see. So that's that's great for morale. It's great for the employee to engage the employee and give them kudos and recognition. And it makes the employee just love working there. Everybody loves to be recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, the flip side is, uh, you know, if you're working for a practice and well, let's say I'm a, a prospective employee and, and it's a tight job market in the health healthcare field, right? All the private practices are competing with the hospitals. The hospitals offer more money and better benefits, um, and if I just Google the practice and I see 3.5 stars, 126 reviews, I'm like, oh, do I want to work there? Right? So it, it could even make it harder to hire and retain employees. Um, also, you know, doctors, it's h- so hard to attract doctors these days, you know, new doctors out of fellowship or residency. So yeah. to the extent that, you know, every doctor, they're young, they're coming out of residency, they're techni- technically uh, capable, they're going to look look up Google the practice, and if they see bad reviews versus 1,500 reviews, 4.9 stars, they're going to say, I don't want to yeah. work at a place where patients are unhappy. So those optics yeah. are important too, just attracting and retaining great physicians. It, it,
0: it uh, suggests an undercurrent of problems, right? Like an organization that has maybe bigger issues. Um, if, correct. If motivation and, and time, you know, and studies of work, one of the key things that um, that also leads to satisfaction for, for job and work is a sense of agency. Mm-hmm. Like I, I work day to day and I can actually influence the outcome of my work. I'm not just like subject to, you know, the machine kind of bearing down on me. And so that's one of the things I think we also really try to emphasize. And I think you were kind of alluding to it. It's a virtuous cycle. If you do, if you have tighter processes and you're, you're running a tighter ship, you're ending up in better, you know, with better results for the patient and when you're getting better results from the patients, that's supporting a staff that feels like they're making a difference and then that improves the process. And so, you know, one of the things that we really harp on when we work with practices is how to use a tool like SurgeMate to help uh, help the individuals that are involved in, in these processes understand their day-to-day work and get better mm-hmm. every day, right? Mm-hmm. Having metrics, having a, a clean set of tools that helps them organize themselves and do their job more effectively uh, ultimately helps them feel better, and and ultimately results in a better patient experience at the end of the day. So correct,
1: you know, like 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 the old IBMer said, this goes back decades. James Harrington, I'll, I'll I'm not going to read his whole quote, but like you know the 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 shortened version is, if you can't measure something, you can't understand it. If you can't understand that, you can't control it. And If you can't control it, you can't improve it. Right, so. It's all about measurement, right? You you want to measure and improve. Otherwise, how are you going to improve if you don't know where the improvements are coming? And if you're not measuring, you don't know where to focus first. So it's me. I'm a, the bottom feeder, right? What's the biggest problems we have? Which office, which staff are having the biggest problems? Identify them and, you know, improve or we'll leave and we'll get someone who's going to do a better job. Right. So you got to measure to improve. So we're big fans of that and we, we try to help our clients you know analyze their data to find areas where they can improve
0: yeah yeah and i think there there's kindred spirits between our organizations in that regard helping uh, provide more visibility to the management and to practices on what are what are things that are working things that aren't mm-hmm. working so that they can improve uh potentially broken processes um and,
1: and sorry, one thing i'd ahead. love to I, I, yeah and one thing i'd love to add we talk about processes and, and whatnot if you think about it, everyone's into digital marketing and, uh, you know, online reputation and ads um, and social media. Um, but to me, if, you have, if you're saying all these nice things and you're getting happy patients to post good reviews, it's a little bit like lipstick on a pig if you're not fixing the problems that are underlying your practice. And to me, I'm an old school guy, right? best and most strongest and most important part of marketing, important marketing is word of mouth. Happy patients will tell the world, right? Mm-hmm. They'll tell their friends, you got to go see this practice. You got to see this doctor, go to this hospital. Um, so to, to the extent that they could use the data to improve the patient experience, that's going to create really powerful marketing, word of mouth marketing opportunities.
0: I love it. Well, Evan, I think uh, I think you know that we try to keep these into sessions of about ten minutes, no more, so our audience can listen to them quickly and easily, and make it accessible. So um, I really want to thank you for joining us uh, for this two-part session. If you missed the first one, would welcome you to kind of look in, in our logs and our blog and on our website or uh, on LinkedIn. You can find um, the, you know the first part of this series to listen in. And I believe, uh, Evan, together, we're going to be hosting another webinar in a few weeks. We're actually going to be inviting some of our mutual customers uh, on and actually sharing some of their experiences with bad reviews and patient satisfaction issues and how they've been managing those. So I'm really looking forward to that discussion um, and and talking with those clients. Um, so uh, I guess to sign off, uh, we typically will snack on our our snack of the day. So uh, we had Starburst, and so... Uh, signing out here with our caloric intake. Uh, thanks again, Evan, and I look forward to coming again soon. Same here. Thanks, Al. Take care.